Good morning. How you guys doing today? Good? All right. Good. Thumbs up. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. You're ready to go. Uh, all right. Today, let's just start with this. Uh, sometimes uh, when I go running, uh, I will wear a watch. And I wear it for a couple different reasons. I can tell uh, how long I've been gone. Uh, with the watch I have, it'll tell me the distance that I have gone. Uh, it'll tell me the speed that I am running at. But one of the things that interests me the most in the way that I like to run is actually being able to see my heart rate. And if I brought a, a series of watches here today and we all put one on, it would give us different information because all of us are different. Our hearts are, are different. Some of us would have a higher resting heart rate. Some of us would have a lower one. Some of us would have a pulse that could get very high very quickly, and some maybe not so much. But for all of us, we would have one thing in common. All of us would have a heartbeat. It's something that unites us. It's something that tells us that we are alive. And today, in the material that we look at together uh, from that work in Ephesians, I want us to look at the concept of being alive as one, that we are, are this one church that is united together. So look with me today as we see Paul's work to the church of Ephesus and to our church today, sharing exactly what it means to be this, this one church that is alive in Christ. So that first verse that we have for today uh, is pretty simple, but it, it is a huge uh, linchpin in the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, in the final three chapters in the book of Ephesians. So right today, we're kind of like right in the middle. And Paul writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is super special today. The calling that, that you have received. Take this as God's own directive straight to your heart today that we called as the church are to be able to do something. You see, this one verse today kind of separates this book in two different ways. Uh, the first way is it shows us in those first three chapters all different teachings, different elements about what it means to be a Christian, about the way that we should live. And today, as we bridge into the next three chapters that we'll cover over the next couple weeks, it talks about how do you do this? These are the teachings that you have. This is how you do that. So think about this book of Ephesians in that exact way. And this is exactly where we are today in thinking about um, kind of breaking it up. Remember, the theme that we have is God is engaging and equipping us. So in the first three chapters, he engages with us in all those different ways. God engages to be near. He engages to love us. And today, he is equipping us. He is giving us all these different tools. Because remember, as Christians, you know that God has sent his one and only son for you. You know that, that God died on the cross for your sins. You know that he rose again so that we can have life. And so if we know that, what do we do? It's kind of a little checkup. God says, take your pulse today. If you know all of these things, what does that look like as it's beating within you? Are you a church that is alive, that is in this world engaging others because of what God has done for you? And so Paul says, how do we do that? 
How do we engage others? What does that look like in the world, especially for people on the outside looking into the inside to us as a church? Well, in the second verse, he gives us a couple of different ways that we can do that, and they're, they're not simple. He says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient and bearing with one another in love. I don't know about you, but these, these four things, they are easy to rattle off. They are difficult to be able to do sometimes. To be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another in love. But one of the easiest ways for us to be able to learn these things or to put them in practice much more often is to be able to do them, to be able to practice them like you're taking steps, being able to be humble, to be patient, to be gentle, to bear with one another in love. And we do these things together. We do them together, and it actually makes it easier. Think about it like a, a path. If you've ever gone hiking before, and you see this path that's there. That path didn't form overnight. Uh, that path didn't form by itself. It happened because multiple people, over multiple periods of time, walked on this same path. And after a while, the stones got pushed aside, the sticks got ground down into that path, the foliage stopped growing there, and people were able to see it. They were able to, to follow it. And it's the same thing with those elements that Paul gives us today. If you and I together, even though it's difficult, are gentle with one another, are patient with people in the world, are humble in the way we go about our dealings, are bearing with one another in love, after a while people see that path. They know it's there, and other people in the world can actually follow it too. See, this is one of the things that unifies us together as Christians, that when we do these things, we actually become stronger together. Today, all of us are, are in a union, but to be in a union and to be unified are, are two different things. I can bring two cats in here today, and I can tie their tails together, and they will be in a union, but there will not be any unity. And it's the exact same thing when we look out the world and we see a group of co-workers that are in a union together, but they're not unified on, on the direction they're going. We see the same thing for a, a team that has to play a, a sport together. They're in a union, they're on a team together, but if they're not unified in the direction they're going and going at the same goal, then, then they're not going to be a, a team together. In a relationship with, with husband and wife, you can be a part of that marital union, but if you aren't working together and trusting one another and bearing with one another in love, we are not unified. But when we are, it makes us stronger. And there's a very specific reason for that. John brings that up when he writes his letter to the church, and he puts it this way. He says, no one has actually ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Think about that. No one has ever seen God, but if we are taking time to be able to love one another, that's how God's love is made complete. When we are loving one another, people on the, on the outside and people on the inside are able to both experience and see God's love. This is why this is so important, that we live out and practice this together. 
And so Paul goes on. He says, make sure that you're doing this. He puts it this way. He says, make every effort to keep the unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. And I know peace isn't always able to be something that, that is just created or is, is there. But Paul says, make the effort, please. Remember, this is a plea to us as Christians. Please, please, please keep the unity. Keep that bond of peace that we have together. Because it is so easy for us as Christians to break that bond of peace, to create little divisions, and it just, it just happens at times, and sometimes it grows. It doesn't take much. There's a story of a man who is uh, stranded on a desert island, and he's there all by himself for years and years and years. And every day, he's trying to put up these different smoke signals to be able to have somebody, hopefully at some point, be able to come and rescue him. He's been there all by himself. He hasn't seen another soul in years, and he just pleased to be able to have that connection with somebody else. Finally, one day, uh, a boat's going by, and it sees his smoke signal, and it, and it comes over to his, his island. And the boat pulls up, and the man runs out, and he's just hugging everybody aboard. And he's so excited. He says, oh, I'm so excited. I, I've been here for years and years and years. You can't believe it. And they said, well, where's, where's everybody else? Where are the other people that are here with you? And he said, well, I'm the only one. I was the only one that was stranded here, and I've been, been stuck. I haven't seen another soul in, in years. And, and the captain said, why are, there, why are there three huts on your beach there? And he said, oh, that, he said, that first one over there, he said, that's my house. I built a house. It's a place where I do everything at. Obviously, I sleep in there. I eat in there. That is my own little, little place. And the captain said, okay, what is, what is the one next to it? He said, oh, he said, I am, a, I am a man of God. That second one, he said, that's my church. He said, I, I go there every single day to be able to pray, to be able to worship, to thank God, even though I, I'm stuck where I'm at now. And the captain said, well, what's that, that third one? And he said, oh, the, the third one? He said, oh, you don't want to know about that third one. You don't want to go in there. And he said, why? What is, what is that? He said, oh, that's, a, that's my old church. They're not happy in there. They're, they have division in there. Isn't it true that we just create division amongst ourselves, even if there's just one or two of us at times, that we have infighting, that we, we fight with each other, sometimes even as, as Christians? And just as being unified is such a great message to people who are on the outside of what God's love is, having a, a fracture between ourselves as Christians is also a horrible, horrible testimony that we put to the world. Why would people want to be a part of a church that's broken, a part of a church that is, that is fractured, part of a church that speaks bad or ill of one another? Those are the reasons people want to get out of the world. Those are the reasons people come to the church to be able to find healing. And often this is something that we just battle against. And so Paul says, do everything you can, everything you can to keep that unity and to have the peace with one another. And this isn't just Paul saying that, it's not just John saying that, but this was so important to our Savior. As a matter of fact, just before Jesus goes to the cross, just before he is arrested, uh, he prays, and he prays for you and for me. This is super special. Jesus taking time in the last moments of his life to be able to, to pray for us. And look at what his prayer is. He says, Lord, I have, I have given them the glory that you gave me, 
that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved me and even as you have loved, excuse me, loved them even as you have loved me. Think about that. God's last prayer here on earth, this time before he is hung on the cross, he's praying that we will have, have unity, that we will be as close as Jesus is to the Father, you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, because this is so important. Again, Jesus himself says, this is how the world will actually know who I am because the love that they have. Remember, God has engaged us, and now he equips us. How are we doing with that message that he has given to us? Are we united together? That's that imagery that Paul uses as he continues in our Ephesians reading. He says, there is just one body and one spirit as you are called to one hope. That there is one body, one church, there is one spirit, we have one God, and in this world there is only one hope, and that is in Christ alone. I saw a story uh, about six years ago now of a woman named Karen who was having uh, these horrible epileptic fits every single day, usually multiple times a day, and she couldn't even uh, do anything basically to hold down a, a normal job or live a normal life. And so she went through this really experimental, uh, high-risk surgery in which they were going to operate on her left and right stem of her brain to form some separation to be able to hopefully tackle these things. Well, the, the operation was a total success. In fact, she actually never had uh, any case of epilepsy after that, but she ended up having these weird side effects. At first, she noticed she'd be in her house and she'd turn on the water to brush her teeth or to do the dishes, and she would turn back around and the water would be off. And then she would go to a department store, she said, and said she, she paid for something one time and put her wallet back in her purse. She knows she did, but then when she got home, she said her wallet was gone out of her purse and other items as well. Eventually, Karen was diagnosed with something that's called alien hand syndrome, in which her entire left hand and a good portion of her arm was not communicating with her brain anymore. It was doing whatever it wanted to, and she didn't even know unless she actually saw her own arm. She couldn't feel it. She couldn't recognize it. She couldn't control it. Imagine what that would be like for any part of your body, your eye, your mouth not controlling the things that you say, your foot, your leg not controlling how you could run or how you could walk, or your hand is in this case. It would be a complete mess. Things not working together, in fact, they would be functioning against each other. Remember, we're told that we are one body. We hear Paul say in that reading for today. He says the same thing in the book of Corinthians in a more in-depth manner, that we are one body together. We, we are not looking for uniformity. We are looking for unity. Every single one of you brings such a special piece to our congregation. Every single one of you brings something so special to the Lord's family and to this, to this body. 
Every one of you has very specific talents, very specific skills, a very specific personality that God created in you. And we put all these things together, and this is where that unity is formed, that body of Christ that you are able to be a part of. And the Lord says it's not just who we are as individuals that give this strength, but it's God. For that's what unites us together. And Paul concludes in that way of reminding all those things that unite us together. Not just our life or the beating heart that we have, but the one thing or things that connect us together. He says you have one Lord, you have one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I don't care who you are today, all of those things connect you and I together. As different as we may look, feel, seem, we are connected together in our Lord and what he has done for us. That he has given us a, a savior that gave his all so that we can be here today and engage in this message, but also be equipped to take this message out into the world. Yesterday, uh, we had a funeral we did uh, over in uh, the sanctuary and then came in here after and uh, had the reception in here. And during the reception time, somebody that I haven't seen in a long time uh, came up to me, and I was talking to them, and they said, you know, how do you like being here now at Desert Foothills? Because I've been here for only about two years now. And I said, it's, I said, it's great. I said, one of the best things that we have going for us is the unity that we, that we have. Not all congregations have this. There is plenty of infighting that happens on the inside of church walls. And it's something that we need to keep together and that we need to strive for even more. Because God has, I truly believe, and I know Pastor Mark does too, a lot planned for us in our future. Not for who we will just become, but those in the world that we will reach. Let's do that through the unity that we have, this, this oneness in Christ that bounds all of us together. Today we celebrate that, uh, we worship that, and we go to our Lord and thank him for that. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, just to be here today, unified in your presence. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will continue to be able to strengthen us as a congregation uh, and Lord, today we pray not just for Desert Foothills, but for all churches across the world, uh, that we know that we are united together in this one team in you. And this isn't just for us worshiping today, uh, but for all of those saints that have come before us and for all the generations that will come after us. Continue to make that prayer uh, known to us, uh, real to us, and something that we live by is we check our pulse today, Lord, and know that you are alive in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.